0: You're listening to Things That Matter with your host, Dr. Mamselle Adolphine. In this episode, I interviewed Daniel Coles, who is a phenomenal educator. Daniel, welcome.
1: Well, I'm glad to be here.
0: Um, Daniel, I'm sure you realize that um, these days teaching has become predominantly female profession. Hmm. Given the fact that you are a male. I am very curious as to why you have decided to, or you decided to become a teacher. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, I, um, I never saw uh, education as a female profession. Uh, in fact, um, when I was uh, going through, uh, you know, elementary, specifically middle school and high school, um, most of my teachers were men. So I never associated. Uh, teaching, although I think some of my most impressionable teachers were the the women teachers that I had in elementary school, but I never thought of it as a female, um, uh, as a female sort of dominated, uh, you know, uh, industry, so to speak. Um, So it was only, I think, once I actually became a teacher here in New York City and um, sort of began to... Uh, work in different environments that I actually understood that uh, most of the teachers in the system are actually women, and white women to be uh, uh, more specific. My first school, I mean I was much more conscious about race, right, so um, my first school that I worked in, I was one of two um, black men in that school, we were the first two black men to actually work in that school, I mean, it was in the Bronx, so that shocked me actually. Um, but uh, my mentor teachers were both uh, were both male, and again, and there were you know there were, I would say maybe almost half the teachers. It seems I guess mean, as I'm remembering, or maybe half the teachers in that school were men, um, or at least a significant number. Again, I mean I I, I think a part of it was because of my own educational experience. Okay. So quite honestly, you look at higher education, it is dominated by men. Right. So it's not, higher education is not considered a girly job, right? <laughs> there are far more men who teach it, and that's economics, right? I mean, I think it's, it's much more about um, the, uh, you know, compensation associated uh, with teaching, and quite honestly, probably the prestige as well my middle school and high school, which was a private school I went to in Cleveland, but they were all men in those, all, all, all of those men were teachers, you know, from you know, all, all the major subjects, you know, social studies, science, all of those teachers uh, were male for me. And um, I sort of equate that with uh, these men who had started teaching probably in the 60s, you know, early 70s, and, and then it was much more, I'm going to say, um, uh, I don't want to say sort of respectful, but I think the status associated with the job was um, one that uh, still carried some prestige with it. But as more women entered that profession, probably the pay <laughs> did not rise, the pay didn't go up, and um, and it became to, became to be seen as a, as a profession that was less valued, and therefore, you know, men who did not go into it and I men were actually seeking jobs probably in um, higher paying areas.
0: I think that the mayor, Mayor de Blasio, I think it was in uh, 2015, he uh, created this program, NYC Men Teach, mm-hmm. and it was basically right. so that they can um, hire more I think right. it's minority, like the Hispanics, mm-hmm. Blacks, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, Asians. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I want to ask this question. You kind of hinted at it, but I want to ask the question directly. I mean, as a as a male, what did what do you think that you you brought to the table as a male teacher that the female teacher did not bring? And mm-hmm. also, as a male black teacher, mm-hmm. what do you think that you brought to the table that the, the female, let's say, a female white teacher did
1: uh, bring? Well, I mean, you know, it, you know, it's hard to. I wonder why I think it's hard to generalize. I mean. But um, clearly, right, uh, students, both fem- both, I am say both, um, you know, uh, girl students and boy students need to see different and have different kinds of teachers, right, in their, um, in their school environments. Uh, and so I think for the boys, um, I think um, they need to have... A different representations of teachers, right? Different kinds of teachers, uh, in their in their classrooms, or that they're actually sort of learning from, um, and uh, learning with. So, so I just say I would just say just by uh, sort of modeling um, and uh, my say my approach, the way I may. Uh, deliver curriculum, the way I may, the content I may include, you know, um, or choose to, right, choose to include or highlight. Uh, students need that variety, right? And I think, you know, male, boy, boys, boys, uh, uh, both boys and girls, I think boys in, in particular need um, reflections of themselves, right? Um, in the classroom, in the schools, uh, in order to uh, receive a sort of Education, I think, in terms of uh, what it means to be, you know, a, a man or what it means to be um, uh, uh, black and male, what it means to be, uh, you know, whether what I say just urban or lo- lots of different kinds of uh, experiences with, or i am say learning opportunities with different kinds of, of teachers is, is essential. As far as being black, I think that, you know, when you look at uh, the New York City student population, which is, I think, approaching about 70% of uh, black and brown students, right, to have an overwhelmingly uh, white teaching force is, um, is extremely problematic. Uh, I was actually in a um, a meeting recently, a training recently, And one of the questions that came up was about, like, what kind of environment, classroom environment, do you as an educator set for your, create for your students? And it was a clear um, distinction between the, uh, many of the educators of color in the classroom, uh, or in this this meeting, who, for them, um, emphasized uh, the relationships that they established with students that was a fundamental part of kind of of, of the, the environment that they created. Whereas, you know, several of the, um, of our white colleagues de-emphasized that. Um, there were questions about, well, um, you know, do I, um, do, am I preparing these students for the world of work, right, or the world of business? And that world is a particular kind of world, which is different, right, from, you um, you know, me creating an environment where, let's say, it's you know based on relationships and that kind of thing, and for me that was a little alarming because um, in my culture, my sort of cultural experience, relationships are key, right? And you almost—it's um, almost like you—you you, know—I think relationships are almost as important as uh, maybe tasks that are getting done, right? Or maybe content that I'm learning, right? Uh, so. So that to me uh, was a clear indication of a disconnect, right, between uh, those who uh, educators who um, are inside the schools and are working with, obviously, black and brown children, and their understanding of uh, maybe what it takes to, I would say, motivate students, uh, give them a sense of belonging, you know, give them a sense of um, being a part of the community, that kind of thing. Of, yeah, And I think creating a um, uh, an academic environment and a school environment where students can be successful. So that's, yeah, kind of a, a distinction I see.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned that um, you feel that the relationship is, 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 is important, because part of the discussion, discourse about um, trying to hire more, uh, let's say, black, black men, mm-hmm. um, efforts um, on the way have actually run into some sort of problems because some of these black teachers have decided to actually quit. and They feel uncomfortable because right. they have to be the disciplinarian.
1: No, I, I've heard a lot of that, I mean, and I mean, it, it's interesting because, uh, right, I mean the uh, last time I remember looking at uh, sort of data or hearing some research around that, it's yeah. actually in terms of new teachers who turn over, um, you know, black and brown teachers turnover at a higher rate, right, in terms of being new teachers. And yes, I heard that very same thing you mentioned about particularly black males being put in the roles of dean and disciplinarian. Um, There was a part of me that actually felt or sort of welcomed the opportunity to engage students who were maybe struggling or challenging because I felt like, you know, I had, uh, um, perhaps a sense of connection, or I had sort of an ability to try to, you know, talk to students in a way um, that could maybe, um, in which you know we can maybe communicate on a different level, right, and sort of try to resolve some things. But um, the larger issue for me, and I think you know, it's, it's it's part of your question is, I actually did not think that many of the schools that I was working in are recruited. By. I mean, they they said they wanted black teachers and they said they wanted black male teachers, but they really did not want a black male teacher, right? And what I mean by that is they had a whole set of ways of which they felt like they understood how to sort of manage students or deal with students that was completely, um, you know, antithetical and opposite. Of how I would actually interact and engage students, so I knew like right, they really did not want me uh, in 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 that school environment. They had a version or an idea of of what they thought should actually be happening in that environment, and they wanted a sort of a black person to come in and fulfill right that that desire. Um, but you know, to me, the much of the construct right, much of the. I'm going to say your sort of social environment and maybe academic environment that had been created in schools was not one that I actually felt um, was conducive for a lot of black and brown students who were there. And uh, so they did not want um, me to come in and, um, and I think, you know, uh, uh, to, you know, act upon or implement the, my understanding of of um you know how to create an academic and sort of I'm going to say uh, you know be a, a behavioral environment for students that I thought would be um, successful.
0: If you have to choose maybe three things that you think actually need to take place mm-hmm. for not just diversity but sustainable diversity that is you have people of color coming in men in particular and have them stay. What are some of the things Hmm. that you think would have to happen uh, for that to take place?
1: Well, I think that um, one is they have to really sort of give up control and give up sort of uh, an ownership or an idea that they actually know, one, what they're doing or actually what the outcome should be or what the environment should be like. So what I'm saying is that, um, you know... I remember an interview I had at a school with a white uh, principal who was sort of a newish principal. She had never been a classroom teacher; she had sort of been a teaching artist before. And they were having trouble with the male students, and um, I think it was primarily uh, a Latino population. But as I was sort of um, listening to this woman who was in a position to hire me and give me a job, I, I was wondering, like, why are you in a position to actually give me a job in this community? I mean, because it's clear to me that she had no experience in that community and no real understanding of what the students actually needed. She was trying to figure it out. And so for me, if you actually want to bring in uh, a significant number of, um, you know, male teachers and two environment black male teachers, you know, uh, know, Latino teachers, you really need to um, sort of back up and ask, the folks coming in, what is our best approach here, right? What what should we do to sort of create, you know, what are your ideas about creating an environment? What do you think is going to work with these students? Um, and, you know, you can have students be a part of the conversation as well. But, I mean, to me, that's step one. I mean, I it, it's, it's clear to me that this idea that somehow, you know, infusing this system as it's currently set up with more, um you know, uh, you know male teachers or bug say black and brown male teachers or black and brown teachers period, when those are the ones who are leading the system at the highest rate um the the the, the system needs to change right so that's I'm saying you asked me for three things but that, that's the first thing that needs <laughs> to happen is they need to actually understand and relinquish I would, what I would say is sort of power and control and really open up a dialogue about what needs to happen here in order to make um, make our school work. Uh, That's the first thing. Um, I also think that they need to really um, be open to, um, I'm going to say changing and looking at content. Um, So much of the content uh, that students uh, are being forced to take is joyless. Um, And it's... uh, I think, uninspiring, and it does not speak to um, maybe who they are, and I'm going to say sort of a reality in the world. Uh, and so I think that they need to see, really think about, you know, you know, what content are we going to center in a way that really um, speaks to the students, you know? Um, so, yes, I think content is... Um, is another uh, area that they really need to, um, to look at.
0: You talked about the content being joyless. What do you mean by this? Well, I mean,
1: you know, there's such an emphasis on, um, uh, you know, this sort of, um, you know, you get it the of like, what are we educating students for? What are we educating them to do? And I think that there's a real um, emphasis, right, on basically, I think, yeah, much of what's happening now seems as if we're churning out students for a particular sort of marketplace, uh, you know, we want them to have, um, and I'm going to say skills that aren't even, um, that That just seem, they seem more, um, uh, you know, indirected in a way, or sort of goal directed, and what I mean by that is that, um, uh, yeah, they're more sort of. I mean, it, it, I think it's 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 great to give students. I'm thinking about like schools that had automotive programs, right, and where students could actually, you know, come in and, and learn that skill and, and and go out and do a thing, which is wonderful. Um, but at the same time, I'm just questioning about um this idea of developing uh whole human beings and we're not really doing that i mean when you look at the sort of emphasis and how we've really narrowed the curriculum so that there's an emphasis on which is the sort of math you know we got to make sure that you know the math scores are here and the you know english and the writing scores are here um and you know whatever we need to do or whatever we need to eliminate to sort of make those things happen um, is a real crime. It's a crime against a certain set of students because not all students experience school in that way. Um, and what I mean by that is that, um, you know, children who are out in um, you know suburban school districts or more you know, affluent school districts, they have a whole wealth of things that they can engage in throughout the day. Um, whereas um, in the schools I've taught in, you know, like I can say the curriculum has been narrowed so much Um, students from 8 o'clock to, you know, 3 o'clock or, you know, 4 o'clock are on a clock, you know, (laughs) and it's like they are, um, you know, being, um, you know, uh, pushed, you know, with a sense of urgency around sort of learning this um, particular, you know, set of skills and curriculum without having the opportunity to find out who they are. Um, in school. And I think that's a very important um, ingredient and element to school And you find out who you are by having a variety of activities to engage in. So whether that's, you know, I have a semester of spinning pots, you know, and doing ceramics, you know, or I have an opportunity to go and, um, you know, just like using a free free gym period, right? Or I have, you know, opportunity to, you know, be a part of this band or, you know, um, you know, singing here, you know, all different sorts of, of ways in which students can, um, uh, you know, join the magazine or, you know, photography or what have you. But all these different ways that students begin to appreciate and value and validate themselves and, 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 and affirm their, uh, different talents and skills in a school environment have been taken away uh, from a certain set of students.
0: Mm-hmm. Would you like to share why you ultimately decided to step out of the, the classroom. Oh <laughs>
1: just,
0: no, I mean just,
1: I give I, uh, some, just give us a brief description. No, well yeah. my, my skip <laughs> was I mean I realized I could no longer walk into the school and be who I am. I mean that's the brief description, you know um, and uh, right, that that's the briefing script. I, I realized I could not show up and uh, sort of say sort of you know be who I am, speak my truth. Um, there were too many things that I was um, being discouraged from doing I think in, in, in my mind, i was sort of engaging in students, uh, engaging with students in a, in a supportive way, in a challenging you know maybe challenging them way um, but that was just no longer possible for me to do. so um, I was not happy, uh, you know, doing that and I had to actually, um, yeah, just not not do that anymore.
0: Um, so I realize that you're also involved in um, SEL, social and emotional learning, that's just mm-hmm. one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to tell us a bit about your involvement with SEL? Actually, I'm particularly interested in not some sort of your work with the schools, mm-hmm. but you know, how being involved in social and emotional learning has impacted you as a person. Mm -hmm. I'm interested Mm -hmm. in hearing if you would just share that with us.
1: Yeah. You know, when we have conversations about education, I always like to point out that, because people always like to sort of point, or they often point to, um, you know, they sort of want to pathologize, you know, urban uh, school districts. But um, actually, where I went to college out in California, um, there was such a high incidence of, in this very affluent area, of students sort of throwing themselves in front of trains, right? I mean, this was suicide rate. Right? So this idea that somehow um, there have been pockets of this country that have escaped this real unhealthy right, uh, society that we, um, that we live in and we've created is, is, a, um, uh, is inaccurate. Um, So, the social-emotional learning um, piece uh, came through my own personal journey, right, is that I was, um, you know, on my own sort of struggling with my own sort of, I would say, sort of emotional uh, balance in a sense of just, um, you know, having uh, had uh, my own sort of, I would say, sort of struggles in life or, you know, uh, Sort of even childhood struggles, but really trying to trying to think about well, we you know happiness, and you know how do I, um, you know, sort of make myself happy, which I, of course, understood that there was no such thing. was <laughs> like there's a, a sort of constant state of happiness, but it led me on a journey uh, to look at Deepak Chopra, who um, actually had written a book called The Seven Spiritual Laws parents and um it was directed for parents who want to teach their children really basically how to be uh, more in harmony right um with uh i'm going to say sort of life and nature and you sort of you have these sort of seven principles so through that investigation which made sense to me um I began to think a lot about social social, um, and emotional learning. And basically in that book, one of the things he points out is that people who have more, quote, success or uh, unquote in life are those who have emotional intelligence, right? Being able to um, be able to gauge, right, kind of where um, other people may be emotionally and be able to... um, interact with those people based on that information in a productive, you know, uh, sort of healthy way. So that was sort of my first engagement with it. And then, um, right, I got involved with um, an organization. Um, But essentially, that journey has continued for me, right, is the more I have learned, the more I have sort of practiced, um, you know, understanding what's going on with me and being able sort of to manage my feelings around those, what's going on with me, and how that uh, will uh, uh, influence my interaction with other people, has made my relationships uh, so you know uh, uh, healthier. Uh, how to deal better with conflict, right? All the models that I had around conflict were, um, as we see. Uh, they sort of, um, exaggerated, or I'm saying grotesque version in our, uh, president right now, right? Is this sort of, uh, you know, bully might makes right, you know, uh, you know, uh, hyper-masculinity and violence. I mean, so all of these sort of models that I had, um, that would lead me to a path of unhappiness. <laughs> you know, I realized I gotta, um, find a, a better way and a healthier way. Um, to actually deal with, you know, conflict and, um, and challenges. So I was able to, yeah, I was able to do that. I mean, I feel like, um, you know, really being able to integrate those things into your personal relationships, um, and to have a way of thinking about, um, you know, how you're relating to yourself and relating to other people in a, um, helpful way, uh, you know a productive way um, has really um, you know it's today opened a lot of doors and made me feel like it's, it's sort of raised the you know um, level of my own consciousness you know around around that
0: I need it feel like to take a, a, a deep breath as <laughs> 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 done when you when you're working on social emotional learning issues <laughs> <It's serious. laughs> um, so I also would like you to share with us um, you know, some of the things that you do um, in terms of the, your involvement in the theater, because you talked earlier about um, building community, is mm-hmm. this a way in which you, you build community? Yeah, no,
1: theater, theater is all about community, I mean it's all about uh, conversation, right, and sort of a, a dialogue, and um, through, through story and through st- storytelling. And um, and it's also about self exploration. So theater for me was always about being a part of uh, a community. I'm going to say a sort of family of, of, of people working on um, a you know creative act, you know, an imaginative act, or I say an act of imagination that uh, I have always found. Um, exhilarating and meaningful. Uh, one of the ways in which I started working in education was uh, teaching uh, theater to young people. Um, and I think one of the clues for me with working with students who had been uh, labeled, uh, I'm gonna say, uh, yeah, sort of, you know, less talented and um, unsuccessful or, you um, you were sort of stigmatized, right, by maybe the, 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 the school that they were um, located in, um, this sort of neighborhood of the school, or this sort of city school. One of the big keys for me was like when I would go and visit those schools and see how much, you know, pure creativity, joy, uh, I'm gonna say, um, um, sort of, um, uh, 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 with that. Sort of throwing, throwing, throwing themselves into with an abandonment. When I would sort of experience kids and students in this way, and and then I would sort of you know compare it to um, more um, schools that had more resources, right? Um, that actually may have had a theater department, right? <laughs> a sort of theater wing, and I would see the 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 contrast, right, in terms of what um, the students. Uh, who were in these uh, these uh, communities that were not, you know, did not have those resources. You know, it would always, I would, it, would always it stuck in my mind, right, that those students actually um, in the less-resourced communities actually had an abundance of talent and, and gifts. So it was really just about um, them having an actual... Opportunity that was in, that was equal in, in a sense in order to be able to realize you know uh, their potential.
0: Daniel, it has been wonderful. And well, thank you. I want to thank <laughs> you so much for taking the time to share with us this um, wonderful um, experience, and I hope that you'll you will continue your journey. Well, I certainly will.
1: I thank you uh, for inviting me to express and share. Uh, my thoughts on these various topics. It has really been um, wonderful to do that with you. So thank you.
0: Thank you, Daniel. (laughs) And that wraps it up for this episode of Things That Matter. This is your host, Dr. Adolphine. Tune in next time.